0: check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we're going to talk about gabapentin. And we're going to talk about gabapentin because it is very commonly used, but I've seen it used imperfectly, and I think it's an important drug to talk about to make sure that you're really comfortable with what you're doing. So as you probably know, it's an anticonvulsant, and it's used both on-label and off-label for other things, including neuropathic pain. It can potentiate opiates and other benzos. So that's something just to be aware of in the background. But okay, we're going to talk about eight things to know about gabapentin. And the first one is that understanding the dosing is really important. So you need to start pretty low, but you can go really high. So in that way, it's kind of a weird drug. And the reason that this is important is that if you do it incorrectly, you can either have a person say, oh, I can't tolerate gabapentin, or they might say, well, it didn't work. But maybe they can't tolerate it because you started too high, and maybe it didn't work because you didn't escalate high enough. So for some people, people who are sensitive to medicines, you might start gabapentin for a few days at just 100 milligrams once a day for the sensitive person. If they tolerate that okay, maybe go up to twice or three times a day, 100 milligrams three times a day. But then as they tolerate it, increasing the dose every few days, three, four, five days, you can get all the way up to a total of 3,600 milligrams in a day. So to get somebody from where you start them to being on the maximum dose if they need it can take a long time, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's different than many medicines where Maybe you start them at 20 milligrams. If that doesn't work, you raise to 40 and that's that. It's, it's a commitment. To do gabapentin properly really is a commitment for you and for the patient. So depending on the patient, you might write them out a kind of complicated dosing schedule, like start at 100 milligrams in the evening for three days. And then if that's okay, do morning and evening for three days. And if that's okay, do three times a day for three days. And if that's okay, we'll escalate from there every three, four, five days. So you could, for a really reliable patient, write out some of that dosing. Or what probably is a safer idea is you might have them call you or come back pretty quickly to see how they're doing on the lower dose and then escalate as you're checking back in with the patient. So the other thing to think about related to dose is that if you talk to someone and you say, hey, we could try gabapentin, and they say, oh, gabapentin doesn't work for me. Don't just believe that and say, okay, we won't use gabapentin. Maybe The person started them on 100 milligrams three times a day, and when it didn't work, they just quit. And maybe a higher dose would have worked. A lot of people don't feel better at 100 milligrams three times a day. So you want to know how high was your highest dose. If they say my highest dose was 3,600 milligrams a day, then you might say, okay, you're right, gabapentin doesn't work for you. But if their highest dose was somewhere around 300 or 600 milligrams total in a day, I would not assume that necessarily gabapentin is not going to work. You still want to start slow and elevate over time slowly. But if they're willing, you might be able to try again, escalate to a higher dose and get some benefit from the medicine. Now, if they say, oh, I can't tolerate gabapentin, then you might ask, what dose were you taking and what did you start at? And maybe they'll say, oh, the person started me on 300 milligrams three times a day from zero to that. And I felt dizzy. Well, yeah, you felt dizzy. Of course, many people will feel dizzy if you start at that high a dose right from the beginning. So in that case, you could explain to them, oh, if we start at a lower dose, you're much less likely to have symptoms like that. And we can go up really slowly if you like, maybe every week, escalating it every week. And I'll bet that we can get you to a place where you can tolerate gabapentin. Let's see if it works. So don't just assume that oh, I didn't tolerate it, or oh, it didn't work. Make sure you know what's happening with the dose. So that's number one. The dosing, start low, go up slowly. You can go all the way up to 3,600 milligrams a day, at least as of July 2023, which is where we are right now. Thing number two to know is that gabapentin can really make people loopy. So I've seen this a bunch of times. A 70-some-year-old person is in pain. They come into the hospital. They're put on gabapentin and an opiate like oxycodone. And then they get loopy. And everybody blames the oxycodone 100%. Oh, we need to lower the pain medicine Maybe, of course, it can do that, maybe. But it could also, in that case, be the gabapentin. So if somebody comes into the ER and they're having mental status changes, check out, did somebody just start them on gabapentin at a high dose? Because it absolutely can do that. And of course, when you're using it yourself, you want to be careful about falls in people who are at risk of falling. And that's part of why we start low. Because the symptoms that are most common are feeling kind of loopy or unsteady or dizzy. And so there's definitely a risk of falls if you start too high a dose in a person who is not that stable. So that's two. Number three is it can actually be used for anxiety. It does sometimes give people a feeling of relaxation related to that feeling you know, calm and sleepy thing. And it can sometimes give people a little feeling of euphoria. So it's not first line for anxiety, for sure. But just be aware that it is used for anxiety, which is also important to know, because if you have someone and you say, oh, why are you on that gabapentin? You don't need that. Let's take it away. And all of a sudden, they get more anxious. That may be why. It may be that the gabapentin was helping to manage their anxiety. That's three. Number four, and I learned this with my dog when she was so sick, is that it can be used for refractory chronic cough, both in dogs. My dog had a refractory chronic cough and got tremendous benefit from gabapentin, but also uh, it is used for the same thing in humans. So it can be used for refractory cough. That's four. Number five, it can be used for restless leg syndrome. So many people think of it just for seizures and neuropathic pain, but I want you to keep it in mind for refractory anxiety, refractory cough, and restless leg syndrome. Number six is that you need to reduce the dose in renal disease. There are clear tables that give you uh, creatinine clearance and then how you should decrease the dose. So if you have a person who has impaired renal function, make sure that if you're putting them on gabapentin that you modify the dose. And if you have a person who is on gabapentin for chronic pain or other reasons and their kidney function declines, be aware that they may have increased symptoms from the gabapentin. Because it can make people loopy, particularly in the beginning, you should ask the patient to avoid alcohol when they're taking gabapentin. Ideally, you would never have alcohol and gabapentin, but there are people who take gabapentin chronically who may occasionally use alcohol, but you want to make sure that they're not feeling dizzy or confused. Then they take alcohol and then get so confused that they fall, for example. So definitely, particularly in the beginning, be cautious with alcohol. And then the last thing to know about gabapentin is that the internet has very strong feelings about it. There is definitely a contingent of people who feels like this is a devil medicine. And I think it's worth knowing this because sometimes patients will come with this this impression and you want to talk about it. There are two things that people talk about as concerns. One of them is what can happen when you take gabapentin and people talk about sometimes having very strange thoughts or a personality change or being aggressive or hostile or having suicidal thoughts. But then there's also concern about a discontinuation syndrome where people may have also changes in mood or thinking, blurred vision, they may have muscle spasm, they have may, may have very intrusive thoughts If you have a patient who is having a discontinuation syndrome, so you're trying to get them off gabapentin, but they're having these really difficult symptoms, sometimes a suggestion is made to decrease the dose 10% per month, per month. So a really, really, really slow taper for some people makes them able to tolerate the discontinuation. Now, I will say from my own experience, I have taken plenty of people off gabapentin and have not seen this discontinuation syndrome. So I completely believe the people who... Perceive this, but it's it's not the kind of drug in my personal experience where you have to all of the time go through a very slow taper. Obviously, if the person's at a very high dose and they've been on it for a long time, you might want to taper. But that uh, reducing 10% a month, I probably would reserve for people who perceive themselves to have a severe discontinuation syndrome. Okay, so those are your eight things. Think about dosing. Remember, start very low, and but you could go up very high remembering in there that if the person says, oh, I can't tolerate it or it didn't work, that go back and look at the dose. Number two, it can make people loopy. So if you have someone who's loopy, even if they're on other things that make them loopy, don't forget that gabapentin may be the offender. It can be used for anxiety. Number four, it can be used for refractory chronic cough. Number five, it can be used for restless leg syndrome. Number six, you have to be sure to reduce the dose in renal disease. Number seven, people should avoid alcohol. And number eight, Be aware of these concerns that people have both about symptoms that come from taking gabapentin and symptoms that come from discontinuation syndrome, and be respectful of the person's perspective. And if they're on it and they want to get off it and they're having trouble reducing 10% a month. Okay, let me know if I missed anything. What else do you know about gabapentin that you think is important? And so your homework regarding gabapentin is to either teach a patient something about gabapentin, if it's part of your world, part of the medication that you prescribe, or to teach another clinician friend or colleague that you have about gabapentin. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. We help clinicians to help their seriously ill patients to thrive while creating a joyful life for themselves. Join our Facebook group, which is the Integrative Palliative Medicine Interest Group. And if you want to learn more about adding integrative symptom management to your practice, go to integrativepalliative.com where you'll find some great resources.